I've entitled my message this morning, Think Big, Do Small. Alright, Think Big, Do Small. Now this is the end of our three um, part series where I started uh, talking about times and seasons that we are living in and we just cannot go on um, the same old same old as if nothing has happened this year. Right? The stuff that's gone on this year and is still going on um, must cause us to think again on how we do life as Christians. Right? The churches have to, have, have, have to have a big think again on how they do church. All right? uh, because this thing isn't going away yet. And uh, so I think as individual Christians too, we've got to start asking, how do we do Christianity differently? Right? And so I talked about times and seasons, and I talked about this eternity in your heart. Right? Remember I said we need to live with eternity in our hearts. That daily divine kairos moments, just looking out for the kairos moments wherever we are. Right? Because every single kairos moment, every time you connect to a God moment and touch a life, or be kind to somebody, or, or help someone, or do something where God is in the midst of that moment. It triggers a series of continuous events leading to breakthroughs and transformation. Individuals connecting to God, having eternity as your time clock, right? Starting to see momentum pick up as all of us live with eternity in our hearts. That's how we transform families. That's how we transform our neighborhood. That's how we transform our city. And so I agree with my dear brother. The only answer to the situations we are facing today is Jesus Christ our Lord. And I sometimes wonder how do people do life without Christ? How do you do broken lives without Christ? How do you face some of the uh, uh, troubles and challenges and pain that you go through without Jesus Christ. So they need desperately to know him as their savior. So for this to happen, for transformation to happen, we need to change the way we think and the way we do life. And so this morning I'm suggesting, let's think big, do small. And what am I meaning when I say think big, do small? The first thing that needs to happen is our thinking. The way we think of God needs to change. We need to somehow or other adjust our default setting and make the impossible possible. We need to have a mindset that heaven has. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that before I go to talk about thinking big, doing small. You know what the default mindset in heaven is? With God, all things are possible. That's the default mindset in heaven. Angels don't question whether this is going to work out or not. Angels are not sitting down there trembling, thinking, oh my goodness, how is this going to pan out? Right? They just have a default setting. With God, all things are possible. How do I know? Well, an angel told me that. Hey, calm down. <laughs> Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven. God himself speaks through the prophet Jeremiah and says this. Behold, I am the Lord. That's Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? 
God is asking the question to the people of Israel because they had lost their way as far as the way they thought of God. They had mingled God along with all the other gods of, of the neighborhood. And God was pulled down into the same status as all the other gods, the Egyptian gods that they brought with them. The other, the, the Sumerian gods and other gods, Hittites, the gods of the Jebusites, all these gods, right? And, and so they just picked and choose. They had a menu of the pantheon gods that they had and picked and choose the gods they wanted to worship according to the seasons of their lives. And here is Jeremiah speaking and his message was a hard message. His message was preparing them to go into exile for 70 years. And while he's preaching this sermon, all the other prophets are saying, don't worry, everything's okay. All is going to be well. But Jeremiah kept on telling them, prepare yourself, prepare yourself. You are going to go into exile. And when you do get into exile, live your lives there. Commit yourself to God. Right? Plant. Build houses. Because it's going to take 70 years before God brings us back home. They weren't listening. And so here's God coming to them and saying to them, Do you think things are difficult for me? Is anything too hard for me? He was trying to give them this heavenly mindset that all things are possible with God. You remember when the angel of the Lord came to Mary and spoke to Mary about how she was going to give birth to Messiah. Mary turns around and says, how can that be? I have not been with a man. And so the angel of the Lord talks to her and tells her how the Holy Spirit is going to do it. And then he ends with this default mindset. He says this, for with God, nothing will be impossible. That's how I know what the heavenly mindset is. God has that mindset. Angels have that mindset. Then as we come and look at the Gospels, you see Jesus had that mindset. Let me take you to this mindset that Jesus had. Remember, when Jesus was on earth, he was subject to the same limitations as we had. Or we have. Right? He was human. 100% human. As well as 100% God. But he had this default mindset as a human walking on earth. When he was responding to the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler went to him and said, Look, I need more of God. I don't know why. I'm doing everything that, that I'm told to do. I follow every single thing that I'm told to do. And yet, I feel empty. And so Jesus says to him, Look, there's one thing you need to do. Give up. I, 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 this is what's stopping you. This is what is hindering you. Give up all your wealth. Your wealth has become... Now, it doesn't mean that wealth is a problem. But for this young ruler, wealth was his problem. And so Jesus says to him, if you have this desire, you want to pursue more of God, your wealth is standing in your way. Sell it off. Give it up. Come, follow me. Suddenly the young ruler realizes, I get what you're saying. With sorrow in his heart, he turns around and walks away. Because... It, he realized it was his wealth that he filled this emptiness with this temporal stuff that got in the way of what he truly longed for, a relationship with God. And so then Jesus says to the disciples, Assuredly I say to you, it is hard 
for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He goes on to talk to them about it's easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were troubled by that. Because you see, in those days, if you were rich, it meant you were educated. If you were educated, it meant you had access to all the teachings that were available to know God more. And so in their minds, they're thinking, if a rich man who has all this available to him to go closer to God, access to the best of biblical teachers, access to the uh, relationships in the synagogues and in the temples, if the rich man cannot enter the kingdom of God, who are we? How are we going to get in? And then Jesus uses this phrase. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see the mindset of Jesus? However the challenge is, even though this beautiful young man that he loved walked away, right? he still believed it is possible for God to save even the most difficult person. In response to the father of the epileptic child, when the father came to him and said, please, if you can, do something, right? Jesus says this, if you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. In response to the unbelief in the graveside of Lazarus, right? Jesus was telling them, take away, roll away the stone. And Martha says, you can't do that. It's been days now. Be, there'll be a stench. Right? And Jesus says to her, did, I, did not I say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Martha, I've told you this. You've got to change your mindset here. Right? If you believe, you will see the gods in his full glory. They roll away the stone. And I love this part. Jesus prays a prayer. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I'm saying this. In other words, Lord, Father, I know it's going to happen. I knew it was going to happen four days ago when you were talking to me about it. And you said, don't go now. Wait till he dies first. <laughs> right? I knew this was going to happen. This is not a prayer to say, oh God, let it happen. This is nothing to do with me. I don't need this prayer. I know you're going to do it. I believe you're going to do it. I could just skip this prayer and say straight away, Lazarus, come forth. But for the sake of the people around, I want them to know that when you say something to me and you send me, things happen. All things are possible with God. That was his mindset. Then finally, the last hour before he was betrayed, grappling at Gethsemane. What was he grappling with? He knew that all the sins of the world was going to come upon him. And he knew the effect of what sin would do. It would separate him from his father. And here the father and son in perfect unity, never in eternity has the Father been separated from the Son or the Son be separate himself from the Father. But he knew the time was coming when God would turn his face away from him, grappling there with blood sweat. But you know how he prays? 
Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. At conception, the angel said all things are possible with God. Throughout his life, he proclaims all things are possible with God. At the end, when he comes to the end of his life on earth, he says all things are possible with God. That's the mindset of the great man who walked on earth to save the world. The Apostle Paul embraced that mindset too. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He can do it. I know he can. Whatever circumstance I'm in, whatever, if I'm in want or if I'm plenty, it doesn't matter. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the thinking big I'm talking about. Thinking big, getting yourself right with the big God you worship. We sing these songs and I love what um, Lindsay has asked her to do. Hey, now put that words into action. Time to think big. God is great. God is great. There's nothing he cannot do. We got to think big. Our finite minds need to adopt to the infinite God. There's no other way around it. Sometimes we turn it around. We take the infinite God and put it into our finite minds, trying to reduce the God who is all-powerful into the mind that we can understand Him in. And we reduce God into our modern-day educated mind. Explain away some of these miracles. Explain away some of these promises, right? So that it fits palatable to our mind. But God is bigger than our minds. Just because we haven't seen such things in our lifetime does not give us the right to alter the scriptures. Let me say this again. Just because we haven't seen such things that we are reading in the scriptures doesn't give us the right to alter it. You have a choice. You either choose to believe the scriptures or you can choose to reject the scriptures. That's your choice. But you do not have the right to alter the scriptures. It is what it is. Choose and believe or choose to reject. Believe the scriptures and live or reject the scriptures to your peril. But I'm confident all of us already made that decision a long time ago. And here's the good news about thinking big. It only requires mustard seed faith. It's, it's not the size of your faith. It's just the smallest mustard. You know how big a mustard seed is. Right? Let me take you to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And verse 5 and 6. We're going to dwell in Luke 17 just for another five minutes. And then I'll bring the passage to a, a message to a close. But look at Luke 17. Let's pick it up from verse 5. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now that's a common prayer. Or a common prayer for me is, you know, when I read some of these things, I say, God, this is unbelievable. This is mind-blowing. Increase my faith. Increase my faith. Right? But you know what Jesus said to them? The Lord said, 
if you have faith as a mustard seed you can say to this mulberry tree be pulled up the, by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you so jesus was saying it's not the size of your faith that's the problem here people in fact if you had the smallest size faith you could say to this impossible task you could do you could say to this tree be transplanted into the sea and it will happen so it's not your size of your faith then what is the problem thank you for asking all right look at look at the verses that continue he says this after he said about this about mustard say seed faith he says this which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field come at once and sit down to eat no you will not rather you will say to him prepare something for my supper gird yourself and serve me till i have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink does he thank that servant because he did the things that he was commanded to do i think not so likewise you when you have done all those things which you are commanded say we are unprofitable servants we have done what us was our duty to do you see big thinking requires an attitude of a servant it's not the your our faith that's the problem it's our attitude jesus was saying to the disciples if you want to do what i'm doing you need to have the same attitude that i have be a servant so i want to talk to you two things that are traps that get in the way of big thinking getting in the way of us thinking god is great right getting in the way of having this mindset that says all things are possible with god the first thing is the trap of instant reward right in verse 7 he says which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in the field come at once and sit down to eat right so there was this attitude that he was trying to address just because you went out there and served god in the field you come back and say okay where's my reward this need for instant reward instant gratification i've done it now where's my reward i've fasted for 3 days where's my reward i've i've spent time in prayer where's my reward i've spent speaking in tongues for for 5 hours where's my reward we look for an instant reward after we have done something that we just had ought to have done anyway i look at this and i think of the prodigal son remember him you know what the words that he used he said father give me the portion of goods that fall to me in other words i can't wait for you to die yeah that's what he was saying i want my portion now that that need for instant reward right i'm tired of just waiting around for you to decide when I sit down and enjoy my my service for you. So the first thing, the trap of instant reward, it gets in the way of big thinking. The second trap I see in this passage, the trap of entitlement. 
right? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. As you read this, you might get offended. What kind of master is this? Now, this is Jesus living this life. And that's how he was effective. Because he knew the trap of instant reward. And this second one, the trap of entitlement. I deserve better. That kind of attitude. The eldest son had that attitude, didn't he? He turns around. Look at the language used by the eldest son in the prodigal son story. He answered and said to his father, All these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Yet you never gave me a young goat. I deserve better. You have treated me badly. I deserve better treatment. Look at me. I work for you. I slog for you. Where? You know, that sense of entitlement, it gets in the way, man. It gets in the way of the big picture of what God is trying to do. So what's the medication for the trap of entitlement? I'll read Psalm 73 just in case we've got that problem. Right? So take this tablet now. The psalmist said this, Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart, pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He looked around and he saw all those instant reward people and he said to himself, here I am loving God and I'm in this difficult situation in my life. But I look around, everybody seems to be happy and they have no clue who God is. I deserve better. Then he goes on and he comes to this place in his psalm. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. You see, that's the key to, to solve this virus of entitlement that sometimes eats into us. Stay in his presence when you're serving him. Stay in his presence every day, right? Because if you, if you know your God, it's easy to be his servant. That's why Jesus knew his father. That's why it was easy for him to be a true servant. The trap of an instant reward, trap of entitlement. They get in the way of big thinking. So big thinking requires the attitude of a true servant. And the attitude of a true servant is in verse 10 of chapter 17. When you have done all these things which you are commanded to do, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what is our duty. Sounds offensive, but it's not. Because Jesus had this attitude. Whatever I see my father do, that's the only thing I'm going to do. Because that's my duty on earth. Right? Remember, when he was talking about, when he was struggling in Gethsemane, Lord, everything's possible for you, but not my will, but your will be done. That's a true servant. If we want to see the impossible happen in our lifetime, we need a change in our default thinking. We need to adopt the heavenly mindset. 
With God, all things are possible. Such big thinking requires an attitude of a true servant. Watch out for the trap of instant reward. Watch out for the trap of entitlement. They get in the way of big thinking. Think big. But when you're thinking big, do small. And let me close with this passage of scripture. Write down Matthew 25 and go read verse 31 to 40. Here, Jesus talks about the king and how the king was separating um, the sheep from the goats. And these are the words he said to the sheep. Right? Righteous will answer, he says to them, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we do this? When did we have this honor of giving you food and drink? When did we clothe you? When did we visit you? I cannot even remember coming in your presence and doing that for you. And Jesus says to them this, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. You know the other group? They said, we prophesied in your name. We healed the sick in your name. See, they were thinking of doing big things. Let's do big things for God. But the big things didn't matter in eternity. It was the small things that these ones were doing. The feeding of the poor. The the clothing of the naked. The visiting of those vulnerable who needed to be visited and needed to be told, God still loves you. Those little acts of kindness was the one that mattered most in eternity. So I'm saying to us, as we think of God in a large way, the way we rightfully should think of Him, God can do all things. Nothing is impossible with Him. But tomorrow morning, when you wake up in the morning, don't think of doing big things. Just go do something small. The little kindness that you do, the kind word, the kind smile, the response that you give, the love that you show, just that little act, God's saying, I can use that for eternity because that's what I can use to shift and transform this world. Small acts of kindness have eternal consequences. So think big. Think nothing is impossible with God. But do small. Even the most insignificant act of kindness matters when we do it with eternity in mind. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast. For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.